Shoo. That was good, Tom Tom. <laughs> Did I do something wrong? Oh, he's fixing lights. All right, I have a couple disclaimers to start. So I am not the pastor. I am the pastor's wife. So welcome. Welcome to our church. <laughs> For those of you on Facebook that aren't used to seeing me, surprise. <laughs> um, so I lead an amazing group of women here. And it's not just our church, but it's also women from other churches and in the community, friends of ours that are here and we learn in different seasons the word that the Lord is trying to give us for that time. And I'm telling you, I, I was telling Pastor this last one, I was like, Lord, I don't know what season we're in. We're just coming out of COVID. There's just so much going on in our life. And I really am diligent about praying and making sure that we get the right thing for the right time. And I passed by this study um, it's Breathe by Priscilla Schreier, and if you don't know who she is, she's amazing, um, a great uh, Bible teacher, and this is kind of an old, older Bible study. She does quite a bit through Lifeway. Um, I think this was put out in 2006 or 2007. I may be wrong on the year, but it's, it's been out there for a while, and so we were going through it. I was like, yes, Sabbath. Rest, right? Rest. How many of you need rest? Okay, disclaimer number two. This is teach. This is not preach. So I'm going to need audience participation, right? Everybody say good morning. <laughs> say hello. Okay, so if I say something and you identify with it, talk back. Okay, that's what keeps me going. If you all sit here and look at me, now I know what you go through. If you sit here and look at me like this, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm scaring you, so don't do that. So this Bible study truly, truly opened my eyes and some of the other women that were in it. And I'm, I'm just telling you, anything and everything that you've learned about Sabbath, wipe the slate clean. We're, we're starting all over, Okay. This is going to take you somewhere you never thought you would go. I, and I'm just telling you. Right, ladies? Amen. It really challenged us. And so I like to feel good by the word and for the Lord's presence to remind me that I'm his and I'm saved and I'm going to be with him in glory and this is kingdom and we're going to be in it here but I also want him to tell me if I'm doing something wrong, right? We need that accountability. So, as I said, I'm not preach, I'm teach. So, y'all forgive me, I've got a bunch of notes. And we're going to read some excerpts from the, from the book, okay? Are you good? You good. All right, I'm going to walk through. All right, so, to set up Sabbath, and I've only got ten pages, but I'm going to talk from it. I'm not like him. I don't just read one page or one, one line and, and go off. <laughs> so to understand Sabbath, um, we need to understand 
the reason for Sabbath is to free us from bondage and slavery, okay? That was God's purpose and design. And I like, she set this up with um, a quote from Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman said, um, she, and, and just to let you know, she freed thousands of slaves in America during the wars, right? I have freed thousands of slaves, but I could have freed a thousand more if only they had known that they were slaves. So if only they had known that they were slaves. And she kind of parallels this. We're going to talk about the Israelites, right? And they were in captivity for how long? Anybody remember? Long time. Over 400 years. Long time. (laughs) Over 400 years. So that's my generation, your generation, Sadie's generation, and her kids' generation at a minimum. Maybe one more. Think about that. At least four, maybe five generations were held in captivity and they were slaves. They worked seven days a week. How many of us work that? Work seven days? Don't be shy. Raise your hands. How many of you work seven days a week? Okay. Worked seven days a week. So the purpose of this study, just to set up Sabbath, is to understand the direction of the Bible study, okay, and why we need Sabbath and why it's important. So slavery is an outcome of ignorance or denial, and our freedom, put your hand here, our freedom hinges on recognition and acceptance. You have to recognize a problem in order to be liberated from a thing, right? We teach in, you know, Alcohol Anonymous and drug classes, you know, pornography deliverance. There's all kinds of things that go on in the world. The first thing in order to get better is what? Admit that there's a problem. So if you don't admit there's a problem, how quick or how, how, what is the process likely to heal? You're not. So the key is accepting that you have a problem. So just remember that, okay? Denying our flesh and admitting that we are slaves to tasks. How many of us are taskmasters? Yes, I'm looking at you. (laughs) Slave to taskmasters. I want you to think about it from the time that you get up in the morning, gushing through your brain. I know you can relate to this. how many things you have to do throughout the day, and you're playing it through your mind. You know, I have to get kids. I have to go to school or drop them off at school. I have to get groceries. I have to clean the house. I've got to go to work. I've got to, the boss wants this paper. We've got to get this job done. You know, all day long, all day long, a slave to task. Denying our flesh and admitting that we are slaves to task and things in life when the Lord, he gave to us a full license to enjoy, but those things now control us, right? Let me ask you a question. Are you free to minister to somebody? And I'm asking you this because it's happened to me. Are you free to minister to somebody when God gives you an opportunity when you're on your way to work? How many of you say, I would love to, Lord, but I just can't stop. I'm going to be late to work. 
or I got to meet a client. I can't be late. I'm on a clock, right? Lord, I can't do what it is that you want me to do right at this moment because I have somewhere to be. We all do it, right? All of us. So the tasks are controlling us. So in essence, we are slaves, just like the Israelites. Even though theirs was manual labor, yours may not be manual labor, but it's mental labor, right? All of us have things that take priority in our lives. So we have become slaves to things. What is bondage? Okay, what is bondage? What do you think of when you think of bondage? What is the definition of bondage? Against your will. Anybody else? When you think of bondage, what do you think of? Hands tied. What else? Held down. So bondage is involuntary servitude. A state of being a slave bound by to some external power or control. See, you made it through one page. You're good. This will go faster than you think. So bound by an external thing that has power over you. Okay? And it can be anything. I laughed. This was the part that we had fun with. So what things, and I want you to, you don't have to say it out loud, but if you do, it's okay. Make it loud enough that we all can hear and laugh because we have this thing too that we have to work with. So what things are you bound to? And here's, here's some things that they give us in the book. So if you can relate, you can raise your hands. Things, shopping, clothes. Yeah, I, don't, I don't see no hands. Come on, y'all. <laughs> Decor, electronics, the latest iPhone or sound system or computer, yeah, um, motorcycle, <laughs> yeah, I had to throw that in there, things. I learned, wait a minute, this is great, so I learned, she has a DVD section to this and um, part of it, she shared um, her rack of belts. She loves belts. Okay, I love shopping. <laughs> and I'm all about Clarence, right? My friend Clarence. I go right to that red rack in the back every time because I want to see what $100 thing I can get for $5. And I feel like I have just won the lottery when I did something that, oh, gosh, that was great. Whether I needed it or not, it was on sale, right? Because eventually we're going to need it. Things. People. Boyfriend or girlfriend. Best friends, workmates, a sister at church, or brother. How many of those people are we addicted to, or we need that, or we have to have that time? Hobbies, golf, fishing, <laughs> television, sports. Or social media, right? That's big right now. Social media. Indulgencies. Oh, my gosh. I have to say this. Food. You get chocolates on that list. <laughs> Cheesecake. <laughs> food. Just food. We talk about it all the time. Dieting. You know? I, I, I want to be healthy. And it's not just about how we look. It's how we feel. That's what's important. 
And boy, that food is really, that's hard. That's hard. That's a bondage. That's a bondage. It has control over us. It's a bondage. Work. All right. Work. <laughs> Work is a hard one. Um, your job, things you volunteer at, you know, ministry can be a bondage too. Can. Work. I think, and, and I talk a little bit about this, so I won't get into detail, but I think work is one of those things the world aspires greatness by the number of hours and the amount of time that you dedicate to work outside of your family. Somehow that has become the model of success in the workplace. And guys, I just came out of corporate, so I'm telling you, this, this, is, this is how they roll. Their family lives in another state or in another area, and they drive once a month or fly once a month to see their family and dedicate 100% of their life to that job. That's bondage. But the world paints it as success. All right, first scripture, John 8, 32. It says, you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8 begins with the story of the teachers and law and the Pharisees bringing a woman caught in adultery. Y'all remember that story? Yep, we often talk about that. How do they know she was caught in the act of adultery? Who was watching? Right? So all the people had gathered around to stone her because the law was she got death, right? Let any of us, this is Jesus, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm going off the scripture. Let any one of you who is without sin, Jesus said, be the first to throw a stone at her. People began disbanding from the group while only Jesus remained. He asked the woman if anyone had condemned her yet. And when she says no, he tells her to go now and leave your life of sin. This led to a dispute of who Jesus actually was. In John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said to those who believed him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So that's accountability, okay? When you know the truth, you're accountable to the actions that you take to make this, make the word in your life right. Make sense? Okay. So Sabbath. What do you think, page two, what do you think when you hear Sabbath? And I want to hear from some of you. What do you, what do you think of when you think of the Sabbath? Sunday? Yeah. Sleep? <laughs> Take a nap. <laughs> what else? What do, you, what do you think of when you hear rest? Anybody else? Sabbath? Now, how many of you, I know in my house, when I was growing up, because we were not in church, Sunday meant work. Sunday meant you didn't go to your 
paid job, but we cleaned the house, we did laundry, we mowed the yard, we took care of everything at the house, right? That was what it meant for us. Sunday meant work. We were up at 7 a.m. All right, I threw this in. I figured you'd like this. The word for Sabbath in Hebrew (laughs) is Shabbat. Shabbat means to cease. I want you to say this, Shabbat. Shabbat means to cease, to stop, to pause, or come to an end. Okay? Cease, stop, pause, or come to an end. You think you got that? You'll remember that, right? Shabbat. Say one more time. Cease, stop, pause, or come to a stop, or to an end. Sorry. So first talk of Sabbath is in Genesis 2-2. You got it, Tom on. Tom on. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And what's that say? He rested. God rested. On the seventh day, from all of his work, which he had done. Now, I want you to think about this. There's God. He just created the world. He created everything in it. He created man. He created woman. And then he rested. Do you think he needed the rest? Do you think he's just sitting up there on his lazy boy with his feet up, chilling, watching TV? Did he need the rest? He was setting the example for us that rest is required. Rest is required. Now, this is where it gets challenging. I said this was good. This is not just for women. How many of you guys need this right now? Okay. All right. I'm going to read. Sorry about that, y'all. So there is an excerpt in here where... Abraham Joshua Heschel, and I'm sure I messed that name up, so I apologize, was a 20th century Jewish rabbi and an author of The Sabbath and its meaning meaning for the modern man. And so here's an excerpt that she wrote, took from his book. The words, on the seventh day, God finished his work, seemed to be a puzzle. He would surely expect the Bible to tell us that on the sixth day, God finished his work. Obviously, the ancient rabbis concluded that there was an act of creation on the seventh day. Just as heaven and and earth were created in six days, Manua, say that, Manua was created on the Sabbath. After the sixth day of creation, what did the universe still lack? Manua. Came the Sabbath, came Manua, and the universe was complete. Manua, which we usually render with rest, 
means here much more than withdrawal from labor and exertion, more than freedom from toil, strain, or activity of any kind. Manua is not a negative concept. I know our brain says that. Manua is not negative, but something real and intrinsically positive. This must have been the view of the ancient rabbis if they believed that it took a special act of creation to bring it into being and that the universe would be incomplete without rest. What was created on the seventh day? Tranquility, serenity, peace, and repose. Tranquility means the quality or state of being tranquil or calm. Serenity means the state of being calm, peaceful, and untroubled. Peace is freedom from disturbance and tranquility. Repose is a state of rest, sleep, or tranquility. Do you see the theme here? They all kind of mean the same thing, right? (laughs) The purpose of God's Sabbath day was not to put up his feet and chill after creating the universe. He was creating rest. Rest was the capstone of creation. Without it, the universe would be incomplete. All right. Take a deep breath. Tell your neighbor, we're going to rest. We're going to learn how to rest. Okay? And not rest as in put your feet up and take a nap. Rest as in find time with the Lord to help create something in your life. Do you see that? He created it in us and in the world. And we need it to create in our own life. All right, one more excerpt, and then I'm done with this part. Brad Lomanek is a legendary leadership author from John Maxwell. Have you guys heard of John Maxwell? So he is a pastor. I love a lot of his teachings. He does a lot of leadership seminars, and believe it or not, a lot of... um, corporate places use him for leadership counseling, and so he's a great, great teacher, very biblical. Um, So one of his key counselors wrote a book, and this was a part from his book about margin. Margin is a powerful concept. It creates opportunities. Say that. Margin creates opportunities. Margin is good for business, and margin is one of your top priorities. Margin in family creates memories. Margin in our personal finances creates generosity. Margin in our friendship creates significance and impact. Margin in our lives overall creates options, options to pursue dreams, Think, pray, relax, meditate, process, grow, and ultimately live life more fully. But why do we hear margin and think negative? And I want you to think about this. 
How often do you talk about winning a ball game? Oh, let's, put it, let's put it in context of a ball game. How often do you hear about a ball game and somebody says, I almost lost that game. Do you ever hear it? You ever hear, we almost lost. We almost won is more what you hear. We almost won. We almost won. We fell short. It's shortcomings. Margin is hard for us. We don't want to marginalize something. To us, that term means not good. So why is margin hard? Y'all wake up, wake up, wake up. Now you can see how Sabbath margin can be applied in your work, in your schedule, in your hobbies, in our appetites, in our shopping, and in other areas. No one likes diets. No one likes limiting time with their friends, limiting social media, or limiting other areas of our life that are important. When we neglect time to create peace, tranquility, serenity, and repose in our lives, we limit Christ and miss out on some of God's blessings. But did you know we also make God angry? Tuck your toes in. This is the part that was hard. <laughs> we make God angry. Jeremiah 25, 7. Jeremiah prophesied to Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, sorry. Yet you have not listened to me, says the Lord, and that you might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands and your own hurt. So I want you to think about this. When we're not obedient to God's word and something God did as a purpose of creation, rest, when we're not in obedience, we're making God angry, right? And I don't think I gave this to you, Tommy, but in Jeremiah 25, 11, Jeremiah says, the whole country, and this was him prophesying, oh, he got it, prophesying, from the Lord to the people. And this whole land shall be desolation and an ast astonishment, and those nations shall serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. So he gave the people seven years of admonishment. I didn't say that right. Say that again. Astonishment, desolation for 70 years. Don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> for 70 years for their disobedience and not listening to the Lord. So why do we think that busier, fuller, crazier life is more easier or is better than what the Lord has for us? 
Maybe we think we can't afford margin. Do you say? Do you think we can't afford to slow down and rest? In the book, she wrote this, and I have to read these off just because I don't want to mess them up, and I want you to think about this. Do not raise your hand, but I want you to think about these in your head. I'm going to give you seven of them. I think there's seven. Seven reasons why we can't afford margin in our life. You ready? A full life brings us a sense of significance, security, or worth. And we use busyness and overindulgence as a means of self-exaltation. Number two, we don't trust God to fulfill his promises to us. So we play God, falsely believing that we need to provide, finish, do, control, or hoard. Number three, we place our hope and joy in things that ultimately do not fulfill like God. Insert car, money, house, vacation, people, whatever your thing is, insert there. Number four, we fear what others will say if we aren't keeping pace with anyone else or don't seem to be keeping up with the Joneses, right? Number five, we don't know how to be still. We never learned. Number six, we don't know how to be content and satisfied. We never learned. And number seven, we don't like ourselves enough to be alone with ourselves for any extended period of time. So did at least one of those resonate with you in your spirit? I picked a few. So, let's fast forward that to the Israelites. So think about those seven things. And the reason why margin is hard for you in your life. And how we try to pick up the pieces and play God in our own lives other than allowing God to take care of us. And I want you to put yourself in their shoes. Slavery was engraved to them. It was their lifestyle. They eternalized the demands to always be working. They were doing, they were producing, they were performing. They were never allowed to say no to their taskmasters. They were dominated, controlled, and commanded. This was normal. Who's that sound like? We have to go to work, right? Because we have to eat. We have to pay bills. We have to get a better car because it's got to work, right? So we go to work to make more money and work overtime so that we can afford the new car. We got kids. Oh, gosh, now we got to feed them. And they eat a lot, don't they? (laughs) It's a vicious circle. The life is a vicious circle. And we get caught up in it. We are doing what's right. We're doing what's good. 
right? It's a man's job to take care of his family, isn't it? That's a man's job. The hard part is understanding that Sabbath is necessary for you to continue taking care of your family, right? God knew and understood that freedom would be a new concept to them, and they would revert to bondage out of nature. Slavery had become comfortable to them. Freedom was not possible in their minds. Say, it's all about your mindset. Oh, that was not good. Say it again. That, it's all about your mindset. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> mindset is where we make changes, slave or free. The Lord had done more to remove them from Egypt than he... Sorry, I'm going to read that again. The Lord had to do more than remove them from Egypt. He had to remove Egypt from them. Right? In order for them to experience true freedom, they needed to practice the discipline of freedom. And they had to create a new habit. Now, I threw this in there because I thought this was just, this was just cool. So I started Googling how to create habits. And everybody has their own idea. How long do you think you have to do something before it becomes a habit? What is it? 21 days? Seven days? A month? There's all kinds of stuff. If 21 days is like the big thing all over the internet. 21 days to change your habits, change your mindset. They're everywhere. People have books all over the place. So I pulled this from Forbes. Habit formation, the 21-day myth. <laughs> so changing a habit is not days, it is phases. This is, um, the article was written by Jason Silk, but he um, um, quoted Tom Bartro, who has successfully started advanced training for Edward Jones and has since become a highly sought-after business coach developed the following, of mo the following model of what habit formation really looks like. So just think about this in your life when you're trying to change your habits to do something different and change your mind. So first one, first phase, the honeymoon. We say that to married couples all the time, don't we? This is the honeymoon phase. You've been married for a year or two. Everything's great. This phase of habit formation is characterized by the feeling of, this is easy. Have you caught yourself saying that? I got this. This is easy. Phase two is the fight through. Inspiration fades and reality sets in. Who is this that I just married? Right? What was I thinking? <laughs> Excuse me. Recognize. Number one, recognition is ex essential for winning the fight through. Number two, ask yourself two questions. How will I feel if I do this? And how will I feel if I don't? 
Number three, life projection. If the above two techniques haven't moved you to action, then imagine in great detail how your life will be in five years if you do not begin making these changes now. Phase three, second nature. Entering second nature is often described by the feelings of getting in the groove. Once in second nature, the following are three common interruptions that will send a person back to the fight through. So this is life, right? This is easy when we start something. And let's do the Christianity. It's easy, right? Everybody can do this. Why can't everybody do this? This is easy. We should all do this. <laughs> then we fight. It's the push through. But when we get to almost the second nature, there are three common interruptions that will send us back. And I'm, I'm picturing this with the Israelites. They keep circling back. How long were they in the wilderness? Forty years. I think they have a lot to learn, didn't they? Breaking that slave mentality was not easy. First is a discouragement monster. An individual allows negative results to discourage him or her into thinking this isn't working and there's nothing I could do. Boy, I thought about E2M right there. We have seven days to eat what we're supposed to and we get one cheat meal. And how hard is it to break that habit of me stopping by Starbucks and getting my coffee that's not on that diet? Or eating that piece of cheesecake that somebody gave me and I have to eat it. <laughs> I have to. And once you miss it the first time, how easy is it the second time? That's it. It gets easier and easier. Disruptions. An individual experienced significant change to his or her pattern. Have you ever heard, I need a vacation from my vacation? Think about work, because that's the easiest. That's what I identify with. You go on vacation for a week, and you're working like a dog for two weeks to try to catch up with everything that you missed for that week, right? Disruptions. It can be anything. It can be sickness, vacations, the weekends. We need another Sunday. He, he says all the time, I need another day between Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> The seduction of success. An individual will begin to focus on all of the positive results and begin to think that I am the special one and I have finally figured out how to have great results with a not-so-great process. And we fall. And we go right back into the circle and kick ourselves and try to start all over again. And I imagine this is what it was like for 40 years in the, with the Israelites in the wilderness. They'd get going. They'd get doing something. This is freedom. You know, the first, the first stage, I, what, a couple of weeks, a month maybe? We're free. We're not working. This is wonderful. God is providing manna and quail. You know, 
It wasn't so bad back in Egypt because, you know, we ate leeks and onions and stuff. You know, they at least gave us a four-course meal. I might have had to work all day, but at least I know I was getting something other than this manna, right? Life was better when... If a person experiences an interruption that sends him or her back to the fight through, winning two or three fight throughs will finally bring them back to second nature. Most people want positive habits to be as easy as brushing their teeth. Is that us? We want to create a new habit and think that we got this. We got it licked, right? Great habits are formed daily. So with the Israelites, move your brain back to the Israelites. Exodus 16.23. He said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil, and lay up for yourself all that remains to be kept until morning. Donald C. Fleming commentary says, there is nothing in the text that shows this was a new idea. Sabbath was known, but not practiced by slaves. This was a renewal because of their unsettled state about food. Go figure, their life. Imagine the Israelites working every day of their lives. Tomorrow is Sabbath, rest. You work seven days a week, 400 years, four or five generations. You never, ever, ever get a day off. The Lord frees you and says, rest. It's not that they didn't want to. They didn't know how to, right? What will others think if I'm unproductive? Confusion, what is rest? I'm afraid that my family won't have enough if I don't work. What if I get behind on my work? Any other things that we say to convince ourselves that margin is bad that we have to do? What is rest? Put yourself in their shoes for a minute. Sandals. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. God gave us freedom as a gift. But free living requires a firm resolve to continue walking in it, resisting the attempts of the world and the enemy by putting chains on us again. We must be deliberate and intentional about setting guardrails around our endeavors so that we can travel freely to the places God is taking us, staying on the main road 
the whole journey. So how do we do this? So now that you learned about the slaves in Israel and how the Lord was trying to change their mindset about work and understanding rest and that the Lord did it and he commanded us to do it. So how do we apply this? And I'm at the end. Are we going to get out early? Oh, my gosh. Don't tell the pastor. So how do we do this? I want each of you to write down your own priorities in your life, okay? And I mean this literally. Go home today, tomorrow, this week, make time. Write out your priorities for your life and your family, okay? Then every opportunity that comes to you, filter them through those priorities. Make sense? Get accountability to hold these priorities. Husbands, wives, that's your accountability partner. If you're not married, you got a friend, a godly friend, that's going to help tell you the truth and keep you accountable. Boundaries are not burdens. Say that. Boundaries are not burdens. They are gifts. Hebrews 4.11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Be diligent to enter the rest. Do you think God wants us to really try to make that rest happen? Be diligent. We are believers and not unbelievers. Freedom lies on the other side of our obedience. So let's take time to rest and make margin in our life around work, people, things, habits, or activities that we are most prone to become enslaved or controlled by. And I didn't give this to you, Tommy. 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23. This was Samuel talking to Saul as he was king. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has also rejected you from being king. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice.
the hardest part is setting margin in our life and making those things that are priorities priority and keeping them that way. Hello, it's the Lord calling. He said it's time to go. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> it's all right, Pat. That's good. You're good. <laughs> we all need a laugh, right? <laughs> all right. So write down your priorities. This is the first part. Make sure you and your accountability partner know what's important in life to both of you, not just you. Hold each other accountable to that. Filter everything that you do through your accountability partner and those list of priorities. Start with margin, godly margin in your life. Set time for rest. I know it's hard. But God did it, right? I challenge you to think that in this life that we hustle and we bustle and we work our toenails off, that we're missing a component that God desires for us to have because we're too busy and we can't see it. So rest. <laughs>